return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Oh, hope you hope you're using your Bible. Hallelujah! Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I want to welcome those that are joining us, either Facebook Live or YouTube or off the website. We just bless you in Jesus' name. Some folks around our country, other nations as well, but we just bless you in the name of Jesus. And we thank God the Holy Spirit is moving around the world. So wherever you're at, the Holy Spirit is moving. The Holy Spirit never stops moving. He's always doing something. And so you want to get as close to Him as you can. Don't just dangle your feet in the water. Get in the river. Amen. Get in the river and uh, experience his blessing and his power. So thank you, Lord. So it's Father's Day. We always want to kind of share something that deals with the moment and so forth. We want to talk about a father's heart. Uh, as I talk about fathers, it relates to really everybody. Amen. And so uh, even if you're not a father, it can relate to you and relate to you as a parent or a grandparent or uh, a student leader or whatever it might be. So 1 Corinthians 4 verse 15 says, that uh, uh, you might have a lot of instructors, yet you have not many fathers. Now, father is somebody who just cares for the person. Uh, not just telling them the way to go, showing them the way to go. I think our example, the example we live, is stronger than any words. If, you are, if you're a parent, do your kids ever see you reading the Bible? Do your kids ever see you reading the Bible? Is the Bible a book that's commonly talked about in your house? Now you can bring you can bring your kids to church, you can tell people to go to church and all that, but your life's actions will speak the strongest. So fathers, there's not many fathers. A father, you know, is a father's heart wants to equip and train and and show people. The way to go. Like even in the church here, we, we're, we're, a, we're a worship church, so we worship. We actually do it. We don't just talk about it. Or we're an outreach church. We do it. We don't just talk about it. Or uh, a training center. We don't just talk about it. We do it. We, we have Holy Ghost labs. Many times in services and so forth, we'll pray for one another. So people can actively learn to do the Word of God. Amen? You know, in most churches, it's purely... You hear something, and that's, it's a one-way street. But it's good that you apply it. It's like, it's like having a lab. You can be in lecture and hear something in a lecture, but nothing like going into the lab and then trying to do it yourself. Amen? And, and with, with the things of God, it's the same way. You want to get into that place. 
You're empowered. You're empowered to do things for the Lord. We've talked some about the Holy Spirit, but now the Holy Spirit, we're in New Testament. The Holy Spirit is poured out all believers. Amen? Believers can all be filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's no limits. So, Father, we're, we're teaching, we're empowering, we're, we're teaching our children to do what? To succeed in life. Amen? A, a father, a, a real father understands they're not going to be around forever. So a father understands and should understand their own mortality, that the children you're raising up, that someday you're leaving, and then they go on from there. A father really wants their children to go beyond there, where they've been. I saw that just in the natural in my own dad, you know. His, his family background was, was just farming, no education. And so when eighth grade came, his dad expected him to quit school like his brother did, expected him to quit school. And he didn't. He said, I want to go to high school. And his dad swore at him and said, why would you want to do that? And, but he persevered and he, and he was an athlete. And so he went to the Storm Lake High School and he succeeded. He was in sports. He did a lot of different things and he graduated. And through all those years and all the different games and so forth, his mom and dad never came to one event. Not one event, not one game, nothing. And from there, he went on to college. And now they really thought he was crazy. You know, this is in the natural. He went on to college and, of course, was in World War II and so forth like that. But he graduated from college and he became a teacher. And as a result of that, all his boys went to college. And he set a standard. So he raised, he raised elevation for his family. Your actions can affect other people. Even, even children that aren't yours or young people that aren't yours, you can encourage them. You can inspire them. Say inspire. So you're, you want them inspire. You're trying to lift them higher. You're trying to get them to see the potential that's in them that they don't see. Because most, a lot of people, you know, when they're young, they just think, you know, well, I'm this way and so forth. But God sees in us potential. We see in our children or other young people potential. A coach recruits an athlete not based on how good that athlete is today, but where their potential is. So a coach will look at a high school athlete, say, and see where they're playing, but the coach sees them as something else with the proper training and inspiration and so forth, right? And they can go higher. Say higher. So a father's heart is that, is that we want to exceed the accomplishments that we've seen. Now, moms can do the same thing, amen, for children. And, and you, you can never think it's too late. You know, it's too late, or my kids are too old, or whatever. It's never too late to give inspiration to people. Because someone, someone, they could be 50 years old, and all of a sudden the light bulb goes on. Wow, I, I'm going to make a change in my life. I'm going to move a different direction. Hallelujah. Or seeds, we can think sometimes, you know, I planted seeds, they've never grown. They're not growing. <clears throat> but seeds are, are something powerful. It's amazing how powerful a seed is. I mean, you can, you can take a seed, and if you let it go in the crack of a concrete, it'll crack the concrete eventually. All right. If you let it grow and grow and grow, don't, don't kill it. It'll, it'll crack the concrete. Seeds are powerful. So what we plant, we may not even see the results in this life, but God is still working. Hebrews actually said people died in faith, 
Not having seen in the natural, but they died in faith. All our lives, actually, that's how we'll end our lives, in faith. You know what I mean? It's not like... Not like we come to a certain year like, okay, every box is checked. I'm all done. I'm believing for nothing else. That's not the way it is. We're always believing. We're always praying. Amen. We're always expecting something more. It could be our very last day, and yet we're in that place of faith. It's a good place. Amen. It's a good place. So there are many things, though, that want to derail us, to discourage us. Okay. Let's look at one first one. Luke chapter 15. Now, this is the prodigal. So the prodigal was just a, a, a son, a wayward son. So in this house, there's probably some friction. When you read the Bible, read it in, in the sole context. Not everything's perfect. Not everything's always going people's ways. So we'll read it in the context. But this man had two sons. Didn't say if he had any daughters, but he had two sons. And the youngest said, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. And he divided to them his livelihood. So, so not every home is in harmony. In fact, most homes are not in harmony. The idea, the idea even that a Christian home, that's just always peace and tranquility. And so, well, that's, that's not reality, all right? That's not reality. The, we're living in a world that, that we, as well as our children or whatever, they're bombarded all the time with different voices. A whole different, a whole different thought system or belief system. And so the, the reality is that we're always working in the context of growing in the Lord, all right? And parents, you're trying to steer the ship in the right way and plant the right seeds. And so even in this guy's household, there's friction going on. And so for whatever reason, the younger son, he's not happy working for his dad anymore. And he's not happy probably with his older brother. And he wants you to say, hey, take a hike. I'm out of here. And so he asked for his part, a part of the inheritance, that he says he's going to leave. And of course, you know, it would break the whole family. You can imagine the talk around the dinner table, you know, and the friction. You know, people are, maybe, maybe the silverware is clinking away, but it's quiet, you know, and you just think hopefully nobody blows up or has an episode here or something like that. You know, it's not, it's not a pleasant home. You can imagine how the mom felt. The mother's thinking about both boys and can't you boys get along and can't you boys work together and can't you see what your dad's trying to do for you and all kinds of things. So it wasn't like just boom, boom, boy takes off you know, out of this perfect home. It wasn't that way. So there's friction and there's stuff going on and so forth. And finally, it comes to a head when the younger son says, you know, just I, I want to leave. I, I want to get out of here. You know, as a parent, it kind of breaks your heart, doesn't it? Because you want your children to do well. A dad wants his kids to follow his footsteps. He's got a family business. He's got a successful business. He has employees. He's got all this stuff going on. He's a prosperous man. And, and you know, you kind of get things set up just the right way so that, man, they can be set for life, except they don't want your way. They don't want what you're doing. <laughs> Frustrating, you know what I mean? Frustrating. I mean, you can tell your kids as far as serving Jesus and following Jesus, and yet they might just be like, I don't want that. And what do you do as a parent? Well, you, you, can't, you can't, you know, tie them up and all that. They're adults. They've got choices now. Say choices. Life is made up of choices, good and bad. And as a parent, we have to deal with those choices. 
choices that bother us. <laughs> you know, if you've ever woke up in the night and think, what are the kids doing, you know, or whatever, you know. I remember, I remember coming home late, late at night, and my mom would be there. You know, I'd pull in the driveway, and I'd walk in the back door, and, and she'd look at me and say, okay, you're okay. And then she could go to sleep. <laughs> I can remember having a night like that myself, you know, making sure everybody's okay. Amen. So in this house, there's, there's difficulties, and it's a sad place. And yet you have a mom and dad who care for their kids, and they have a heart. They have a heart after God. They have a heart for their family, and they want the best. The challenge is, is when this happens, not to get so frustrated that you just kind of throw in the towel. The challenge is not to say, you're messing your life up. You're a big loser. <laughs> what you think is the truth, but ultimately is not the truth, you know, because the story's not done yet. We look at verse 13. So it says that uh, uh, after many days, notice, so days passed after he asked his dad about this. So you can imagine in the house the friction. Days have gone on and gone on and gone on, and I'm sure there was debate back and forth and so forth. And I'm sure the, the elder son was even talking to the younger one, like, come on, get your life in order here, you know? Many days passed. The son, youngest, is still convinced this is what I'm going to do. So he got all his things together. And you can imagine that. You're packing up. Whatever, your suit, we'd say our suitcase, but he's packing his bag and he's going to go off to catch some camel train or whatever to his next destination. And you can imagine in the house just the feeling, you know, you hear him going through and getting his things. What is he going to take? Not taking everything, but he's going to take what he can carry. And the sadness as he walks out the door. Wow. He's walking out the door. And the screen door, whatever, and it closes. And all you see is his back as he walks away from everything you or I would think is valuable, important. And he's, and he's leaving his life behind. It's hard. It's hard. So after many days, he packs his stuff and he walks away. And maybe at this point... There's nothing more that's even said from his dad or his older brother or whatever. I can imagine his mom and dad probably still saying, we love you. Amen. You know, love is important. Amen. Faith works by love. Amen. You want to express that. You want to demonstrate that as much as you can Amen. to your kids or grandkids or whoever. How, how are you going to do that? Well, even today, you can take your phone and. Text people, hey, I love you. Hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, God is on your side. And you're, you're, imp you're putting things into their life. Amen. Because, you know, good and well on their phone, they're scrolling through and they probably got for every one thing, they've got ten other things that aren't so good. So as they're scrolling through their phone, it's like, oh, oh, mom and dad sent something. Oh, or grandma or whatever. And, oh, yeah, something that can be a marker in their day. Because when this son left home, there's no other communications. It's a blackout. It's a blackout. I mean, he's walking as he catches the camel train or whatever, goes over the hill, gone. 
gone. No other communication. No other reports. Nothing from this young man. And so he journeys to a far country. So, so he probably said, I'm going to whatever. Going to the East Coast, West Coast. I'm taking off. I'm getting as far away from here as possible. It's funny how people can always think how bad their home life is when really pretty good, you know, right? <laughs> you know, and uh, sometimes people can make comments about even South Dakota, but the reality is it's not bad living here, you know. Not bad living in this place. So, so he's going to a far country. Anyway, you should also look in the back of your bulletin, the Father's image, which, uh, you know, probably this young man thought some of those things. You know, 14, oh, Father, he's hopelessly old-fashioned. <laughs> you know, 21, oh, that man, he's out of date. I remember, remember going up to the barn, I was playing basketball and so forth, and then my son was old enough and, competing and stuff and he'd be up there but but I'd have I'd have my SDSU trunks on but these were this was my day these are my trunks so they're shorter trunks old-fashioned it's like oh dad like he didn't want to be seen with him oh man and of course you know how the trunks went then they almost became knickers you know down here you know and stuff and now the funny thing is is all these the short trunks have come back and like high schools last year, so my grandson, he's playing, and they're trying to roll up their trunks, you know, to get them up and stuff. So they're shorter because everything the school's got is longer, but they want the shorter trunks. Yeah. I said to my son, I should have saved my trunks. They're in style. <laughs> he shook his head. He said, I still don't like them. I still don't like them. But they're in style now. So, so things, you know, you can look at how attitudes of kids, and it's not uncommon because that's how the enemy works. The enemy's trying to always divide. You'll try to divide parents, or he'll try to divide the children or grandchildren. That's just how the enemy works. That's, that's the subtleties of the enemy. And always to get people to think the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, but it never is, is it? You know, you, you get to the other side of the fence and you find out it's artificial turf. It's like, no, it's just the same. It's the same problems, same issues, and so forth. So, so he goes to a far country and he wastes his possessions with prodigal, outlandish, wildly living, and so forth. So this is, this is, the, this is the guy who's out on the edge, with just living for the world. And notice this, he wastes it. So he has, he has things, he's knowing things, he's knowing prosperity and all the stuff like that. And you know the story, of course, now he comes to a place where you, now you're out of money, no credit cards or anything like that, and so now what am I going to do? I don't have food to eat, I don't have a job. And so to get food, he thinks, well, I'll get a job with this pig farmer. And, and so he's kind of living like a pig. And then he comes to a realization that, you know, wait a minute, my dad all of a sudden isn't so bad. And, and, you know, he has, the, we have the home business. I could go, the servants are living like princes compared to the way I am. And he gets this idea to realize, you know, I, I've messed up. I need to come home. When people mess up, uh, the one thing we don't want to do is say, I told you so. <laughs> right? It's not like, yeah, you did salt in the wound, and let's rub it in there, and you ought to really gravel. And no, you don't want to. You want to. You want to bless them. You want to. Obviously, you know 
truths, but you're trying to help them recover themselves, the Bible would say, out of the snare of the devil. So people get caught in a snare, they're in this trap, and they can't get out. And so we help people to get out of the trap. It's not like, yeah, we'll just stick your foot in that trap for it. No, we're helping to get, the, get them out of the trap so they can go on. So the dad then, the heart of the father, and this is so important, verse 20, which says something about these parents, you know, because the father, while his son's coming and the son crests the top of the hill, but the father is actually looking. So he's got a business, he's doing things, but obviously every day, because he doesn't know what's going on, but every day he has hope, say hope. Hope is a valuable commodity. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So hope, hope gets, gets substance that something good can happen today. Amen? Something good can happen today. And, and uh, um, you know, I just thought of this. Remember, remember after 9-11, that week, and uh, our son was in Colorado and so forth, and, and uh, actually his place... His place where he lived, remember that, the, where the FBI and, and all the people raided. So the, so the ATF and the FBI raided this apartment complex to the people that lived up above him. And anyway, they don't know what happened. Nobody was there. But they emptied this apartment and they carried out computers and so forth, but also were big pictures of Osama bin Laden and everything else. So they missed the guys. But they put all this stuff out on the curb, and my son thought, oh, some of it's pretty nice. Well, they just picked it up. So all of them got blessed from the people that left in a hurry. But my son, uh, so, so uh, I get a phone call, and he says, wow, this is quite a time going on. Don't you think it would be good for, good for families to be together? And I said, yeah, it really is. You know, really important that we can talk. The doorbell rings and so forth. And then he says, shouldn't you get the doorbell? And I yeah, I suppose I should. So I, and I get to the door, and he's there. And uh, so we spent we spent some days together. It was really a blessing, real blessing. The father, father, he comes. The kid gets up. He comes to the father, and while he's still a great way off, his father sees him. And when he sees him, so here's the thing: in spite of discouragement, frustration or anger, or whatever, right? You have to push those aside to have compassion. For some of us are older, some of us have been older, you have to remember, you were once that age too. (laughs) And if you're younger, remember, learn from your dad and mom. But while he's still a great ways off, his father sees him, has compassion. So I like that. His father pushed away all of his feelings... Because he's still hoping for his children's success. He has two sons. So one, they're both alive. One's at home, one's not. So he still has two sons. It's important. If you have children, they're still your children. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? They're still your children. And you might think, well, I haven't seen him for a while. Well, we're not on a good relationship. But let me just say, love is important. Romans says, love does no harm to people. Love never harms. So as much as you keep sowing love, sowing love in your words or actions and so forth, that's very important. 
His father's waiting. He's demonstrating faith and patience, right? <laughs> he's watching. He has hope. He sees him. He's, he's, he sees him come over the horizon and so forth. And then he has this compassion in his heart to do something. In the natural, in the natural, we want to be upset. Because, because uh, first of all, you, are, you already told your son, probably, not the right decision. Second of all, he wasted all your money. <laughs> he wasted it all, so he burned it all with the world. And yet he doesn't come and give him a lecture. He's showing compassion. And he actually does, he demonstrates by his action, he runs toward him. Toward him. It's not like, uh, it's not like the son comes home and the dad says, ah, whatever, I'll talk to him tomorrow. I'll see if he wants to work next week. See if his attitude changed. No, his dad's running toward him, all right? And as his dad gets toward him, it says he falls on his neck and he kisses him. It's, it's really the whole thing of love and forgiveness and restoration is huge here. You know, because the son's saying, dad, man, I've, I've blown it. I've sinned. I, I should... I live under the pigs. And he probably smelled like the pigs, right? He didn't smell good. And his dad might have thought, man, you were left with a big bag and you're coming home with your underwear. And that's it, you know. And so, so where's, where's, what all happened? He doesn't even go into that. He just, the son says, I, I'm not worthy to be your son. I, I'll just, I'll be a servant. You know, with Jesus, it doesn't matter what you've done. You're still a son or daughter. His love never changes. His love never changes for us. You can mess up in life. You can you could go wayward for decades and yet come back to Christ and He's there to receive us. Now don't don't do that on purpose, right? But you you want to know how much God loves us. That is the love that we turn the Father's heart. We turn around to give away. Amen. Amen. That's what we give away. The actions. I want to emphasize again the actions. He ran toward his son. He embraces his son. He kisses his son. He smells the world on his son. All right? He knows what his son in part like. I don't know where you've been, but you don't look pretty or smell good. But he welcomes him back. That's... that's, that's uh, that's stuff we face. This son even, you know, sometimes things we face in life are regret. The, we made a decision, but folks, once you make a decision and you do something, you know, you've done it. That's history now, right? The only thing you can go back is reset your course for your future. Let's look at a couple of things. Saul in book of Acts chapter 3. Saul went, Saul was who Paul, who people, Paul the Apostle and so forth, but Saul was a terrible man. He was a terrible man. He was the terrorist of his day. And he made havoc of the church and he entered houses. He drag, look at, he drug off men and women. He drug them off. He drug them through the dirt. Maybe drug them by their hair. Or drug them by their beard. And he put them in prison. He was a terrible man. He was the terrorist of his day. Acts 26. And it says this. It says that uh, uh, he went to Jerusalem. Many of the saints. He said, many of the saints, I shut up in prison. A lot of people here. 
He messed up, he ruined, he destroyed a lot of lives. He had authority from the chief priests, see, to put even, and when they were put to death, he says, I cast my vote against them. Notice he helped put people to death. He helped put people to death. And, and, you know, so you look at his life, he thought he was totally right in what he was doing. I punished them lots of times in synagogues, compelled them to blasphemy. What does that mean? He tortured them. He tortured them in various ways. You know, the sad thing, folks, this happens today yet. This happens today, this torture and stuff. We live comfortable in America. A lot of people think, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want to read about that. Stuff. No, I, that bothers me. I don't want to think about it. But we should think about it. We have brothers and sisters around the world who are persecuted and so forth. We should be aware sometimes of things that are going on. You know what I mean? Their lives are not pretty. It makes me feel uncomfortable. Sometimes it turns my stomach when I hear or see something. However, this is the world, right? So, so Saul was this way. He compelled them to blaspheme. He tortured them. He was enraged against them. He persecuted them to foreign cities. So he, he, he did missions work for the devil. Let's say it that way. Missions work for the devil. So we could think now, if you could look at, at Saul, who had a mom and dad. Maybe they were proud of him. I don't know. But this guy was wayward. But there's always hope, isn't there? See, I, I, so many times in my mind, I have, to, I have to retool my thinking because I think, oh, okay, that's, that's no hope for them. No, there's always hope. There's always hope for people, and especially if we can get the gospel seed inside of them. Now, we don't know how much he heard prior to the Damascus Road, but we do know that Stephen, when he was martyred, you know, had a testimony for Christ. And I would guess that many others had testimonies for Christ. I'm not going to deny the Lord. You, can't, you can kill my body, but you can't take my spirit. I'm going to heaven. I love Jesus. You know how many times he heard these things that bombarded his, his ears, his life, his heart. So Philippians 3 then says, now we know the story. Saul's on the road to Damascus, the bright light. He falls to the ground. He hears a voice talking to him. And he says, who are you? And he says, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. And he gets saved on this Damascus road. Later he gets uh, filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized in water. But he says in Philippians, you could have confidence in the flesh as he did. Uh, he did all the things right, circumcised the eighth day, the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. It was concerning he, the law. He was a Pharisee. You know, he thought he was totally right. He was zealous. He persecuted the church concerning the righteous righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. So he thought he was totally right when he was totally wrong. Now, what would a guy like this do then later in life? He would have regrets. You look back and you just think, man, why did I do that? The prodigal son could think, man, the regrets, like, wow, I wasted my part of my living here, you know. And even with his older brother, he had to make amends. And, you know, his older brother wasn't real happy about him, you know, as far as getting together and stuff. So, so you know, regrets is something that we all have to deal with in life. I have to say, all of us do. Okay, because all of us have made a mistakes, made different mistakes. So, we could say, if I could do it all over again, I'd do what? 
We always say, what do we say? Hindsight is 2020. Forward sight is by faith. But hindsight, you can see clearly, or more clearly, certainly, your decisions right or wrong. Was that a good choice or bad choice? Or there was the fork in the road that led to this thing in my life. The only thing is, we can't go back. I can't go back to yesterday, Saturday. There's a quote that we used years ago. It says, the past is forever gone. It's gone. But the future is still our own. The future is what? The future is could be 1 o'clock today that's not here yet. The future is today, what are you going to do to communicate with your children? Or what are you going to commu- do to communicate with somebody who really needs an encouraging word? And to do that, in part, also we have to swallow our pride because we might think, or you might think, well, I was right, though. I was right in that situation. And maybe you were. However, love will humble itself to continue to try to bring restoration. So so love isn't standing up and saying, declaring, I'm right, you're wrong. No, it will humble itself to say, hey, I want your future to be brighter. Amen? If we live in regret, then we're going to gravel in the lost of past opportunities. In other words, we, we, boy, my life could have been something, or my parents had encouraged me, or people get caught in alcoholism, or they get caught in divorce, or they get caught in all kinds of things, gambling or immorality or whatever, and they can look, and if they, if they stay in regret, then they just stay that way, like, well, I blew it, it's over, it's nothing for me now. Or we can think, no, it's still not over. There's still opportunities ahead. And that's no matter what age we are. Remember Bob Kerr, who was the town drunk, and Bob, uh, uh, his whole life was sad. But Bob gets saved in his 60s. So here, we talk about a reverse of a course he lost everything. He's lost his, his family, his children, his wife, his money, everything in life. Lived kind of in a very poor setting here in town, but he gets saved. And when he gets saved, he starts coming to church all the time. All the time, I mean, he'd, he'd be here on Monday vacuuming and so forth, and he'd always say, don't dump out the coffee because I'm going to drink it. That's still good coffee, you know, and so forth. And he'd come in, it wouldn't matter what I was doing in the office, he'd come in vacuuming, you know, and, and then usually sit down for 10 minutes to talk. And he'd always say, I'm so glad to be saved. And he redeemed his life. I mean, to a point that he influenced major leaders in this city which is really quite profound, you know, business leaders, because of what happened in his life. So you could think, boy, 70 or 80% of his life was gone, or 90%, he had this little bit left, but he redeemed it. Amen? You don't want to live with regret. You want to reclaim your destiny. Say, reclaim your destiny. That's your destiny in Christ. Reclaim who God really, his plans, his plans for people are good, all people. So reclaim what he wants for you in your life. Not too late. Amen? So Philippians 3, verse 13. So here's, here's Paul, now Paul in the New Testament, Paul the Apostle. I like how God used all these flawed people. You know, like, like think, of, think of Rahab the harlot. You know, 
And, and, and then I always think this, why do those spies go to a harlot's house anyway? Hello, you know, what's with that story, you know? So why did they go to the harlot's house? But they did. And then she starts talking to them about the fact, oh, we know everything that's happened. We know your God's the real God and so forth. And they said, well, there's salvation for your house if you help us. And remember, she put up the scarlet thread down the window and so forth. And then she gathered her mom and dad and people in her house so that when, when Jericho was taken, she was safe. And yet she's part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. A whore. God will use anybody. When, when we can turn around, let go of our regrets, and push forward. Amen? So she, Rahab became part of the children of Israel after that time. All right. Long story. That, it's in the Bible. Trust me. I'll show it to you. So Paul says, you know, I'm not going to count myself to apprehend anything. One thing I do. And this is, this is like, you know, if there's anything you can do is this. Lay hold on Jesus and pursue him. <laughs> pursue the things of God. I can't go back. I can't undo my life and different things and so forth. But I have the future. So do you. So I'm going to forget the things which are behind. So I'm going to push aside regret. I'm going to push. Take, take your hands and say, push aside regret. In other words, I'm going to forget. I'm going to forget the past. If it's part of your good past, hey, rejoice in it. Hallelujah. But there's some past that's ugly. Just don't bring it up again. Let it go. Accept forgiveness. Let it go. So I'm going to push aside, I'm going to push aside regret, all right? And I'm going to reach forward, all right? I'm going to reach forward. In other words, the life that I have left, I'm going to have satisfaction that I'm doing my best. Amen. You know, some people, some people in lives, we've met people that have been married several times. And yet, and yet it's like people say, I just messed up my life and so forth. says, okay. But you don't have to mess it up anymore. Amen. From here on, let it be blessed. Amen. From here on, follow the things of God. Amen. Serve the Lord together. So he says, I'm going to press toward, go back again, excuse me, to Philippians 3.13. And it says, so I'm going to forget the things which are behind me. And I'm going to reach forward. Now, there's a posture in that. This, this posture. And this is how we actually should die in faith. We're reaching forward in life. The things which are ahead of me. Why? Because I cannot reclaim past event. The past event is a past event. Okay? I can receive forgiveness and so forth. I can learn from it. But now I'm going ahead. Amen? Amen. And so that's the thing. The heart of the Father is that, you know, I'm going to press forward to the higher calling and I'm going to do what God asked me to do in my life. Amen. Amen. I'm, going to, I'm going to purpose to love like I'm loved. I know how God loves me. So many times when I, I'm just alone and I close my eyes, I'm talking to the Lord, and the, what I always hear him say is, Dave, I love you. That's like, I, that's like every day. And it's just like, oh, that is just an ointment to my heart. Amen. That's what you want to pass on to other people. It might sound simple. It might sound like, oh, that's too easy. But love is the most powerful force. Love can, has the capability of turning an enemy into a friend. 
Amen? It's the only force that can do that is the love of God. Now, just close your eyes for a minute. Let's just lift our hands. Holy Spirit, thank you for this love. You are love. You are God. Thank you for this love. Eternal, everlasting, powerful, life-changing love that you poured out on us. Help us, Lord, to have your heart, heart of a, heart of a father. And even, Lord, to overcome regret that we face in lives. I pray for everybody here, everybody listening, that regret will be pushed aside and their destiny will be reclaimed in Jesus' name. That, that what's ahead of us, what's ahead of us is, is eternally important in how we finish this life and how we carry on with this life. I pray for people here, even today, as they communicate with loved ones. I pray they would do it, communicate with loved ones. I pray they would sow seeds of love. Lord, help us to speak life. Help us to speak that our words would be like an ointment on a wound that would bring healing. Lord, I thank you for transformations. I thank you, Lord, even that in our lives, our families and so forth, there would be great transformations for your glory and honor. And Lord, we just praise you for this. We thank you today for your eternal love in our hearts, in our lives, flowing through us. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife@brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., Also, Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.